Looks really great. This is Rabbi Chaim Gravender coming to you over Facebook Live from Yatar in Yerushalayim. A Shia for Purim in memory of Dr. Chuck Feldman Zal, dedicated by his loving family. Join us on webyeshiva.org for our upcoming live interactive shirim for Purim and Pesach. Now that I've done advertising, maybe I'll become President of the United States. Okay, what I'd like to talk about is Purim. And every year we talk about Purim. But I think I have, uh, we have a kind of a new look at it. I just want to remind you of a few things. First, in the beginning of the parasha of Titzaveh, this week's parasha, which is largely about Big Day Kahuna, the clothing that was made for the Kohanim. <coughs> now, the Kohanim had very fancy clothing. I mean, fancy by whatever style of the time that you might imagine. And they're very carefully described in the Chumash, right, in the parasha of Titzavet. And the pasuk of, of record, the pasuk that we're interested in, is this pasuk at the top of the sheet, Vasita Bigdei Kodesh Larona Chicha, Bigdei Kodesh, the begadim, the clothing that are associated with Kodesh. Uh, which probably means that these are the clothing that Aaron wore, Aaron and his sons wore when they did the Avodah in the Beit HaMikdash. And there were two sets of clothing. There were the clothing that the Kohanim wore every day and that the Kohen Gadol wore every day. And then there was the clothing that the Kohen Gadol wore on Yom HaKippur. And the, the difference was that the everyday clothing was very fancy and very intricate and very um, involved and difficult to make. Whereas the Yom Kippurim clothing for the Kohen Gadol was very simple and obvious and regular. And <coughs> even though Yom Kippurim was the most important day of the year, the clothing that is described for the Kohen Gadol and Yom HaKippurim seems to be very simple by comparison, you know, very regular. So these words, the, the Pasuk says, and then you have these difficult words, and these are words that uh, the Kabbalists like a lot because the Kabbalists like words that are very hard to understand. I mean, like, like it's sort of these kind of words where you think you understand what they mean, but if you kind of delve into it a little bit, you find that you don't really know what they mean. So kavod is a word that is associated with the presence of God somehow on, on Har Sinai. Kavod, right? Now, it's also a Hebrew word that means like honor. But kavod, in relation to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, means some sort of presence, some sort of presence of God. And the same thing is true about Tiferet. 
These are Kabbalistic words. I mean, the Kabbalists kind of adopted those words and made them into their words, right, into their words. So that's what the Pasuk says. Now the Ramban, the Ramban in his commentary to those, uh, those two words, you remember that the Ramban was a Kabbalist. And, and what he tries to do here, what he tries to do is explain it to non-Kabbalists. I mean, that's like a trick, uh, a difficulty. I mean, because the Ramban could <coughs> confuse us with a lot of Kabbalistic lingo, but he doesn't. Instead, this is what he said. That the Kohen, the Kohen Gadol, should be. And then, you know, in order to explain the words, he uses the same words. It says, So the Ramban says, Right? He uses the exact same words, which is not a good thing. I mean, it's like a trick, but, you know, you, you're sort of left out hanging here. Kemosha Markatuv, right? There's a pasuk in Yeshayahu that says, Kichatan Yichahen Pe'er. That the word Pe'er, right, which is Tiferet, somehow goes along with Yichahen, <coughs> the Kohen. And the Kichatan is, is a word that describes a relationship, right? You can't have a Chatan without a Kala. I guess. Today, I'm sure I know you could have anything, but generally speaking, <coughs> that's, that's the way it works. So here's the Ramban. He wants to, he wants to explain it to us. So he says the explanation is that the Kohen, who was Lechavodu Letiferet, wore Big Day Malchut. That's what the Kohen wore. What's Big Day Malchut? So he says, he says, Kidmutan Yobeshu Hamlachim Bismana Torah. So the Ramban says, You want to know what Big Day Malchut is? So you go to a king. You go to a king, like you can go to Hashverosh, and you see, what, how, did he, how did he dress? And, and we more or less will copy it, even though the Begadim are described in the Torah. <coughs> they're not so carefully described that you can't have a little imagination. And that little imagination is going to come from Big Day Malchut. Big Day Malchut. And he says, Kidmutan, similar to them, Yedushu Hamlachim Bismana Torah. Kimoshe Matsinu Bekitonet Vasalo Kitonet Vasim. That's what Yaakov made for his son Yosef. He made him Kitonet Pasim. What's Kitonet Pasim according to the Ramban? I don't know. I don't know. It's a fancy kind of a cloak. <laughs> Who wore this kind of fancy cloak? The Mlachim. Now this makes sense because you remember that Yosef had a dream. And in the dream, everybody was bowing down to Yosef and was kind of doing what you do to a, to a king. So Yaakov, <coughs> Yaakov didn't want to say that he also thought that the dream was true, even though he thought that the dream was true. But he wanted to indicate that to Yosef. 
that Yosef should feel good about the dream and fortified and it's going to work out, it's going to happen. So what did he do? He made him a cloak. And that cloak was, according to the Ramban, big day, malchut, the kind of cloak that kings wore. So that was Yaakov saying to Yosef, I know you're going to be the king. And so we understand that when the brothers hated Yosef, it wasn't only because he was a lot of annoyance to them, but it was also because Yaakov insisted that Yosef's dream was true and it was going to happen. And so the, the brothers had to do something, so they decided at one point to kill him. That, that, was, the only, that was the only thing that they could, that they could actually do. He says it's, it's uh, embroidered, like, like in pasim, in lines. I mean, I guess that's called fancy, right? Tashbeitz is also some kind of a, uh, a design, right? A design in there. You know, anytime you add something to the cloth that you're going to use to make a coat, so it gets more expensive and more difficult and more... <coughs> labor intensive will be show kiven malchekedem and Yaakov dressed Yosef as though he was a king of that earlier period of time and this is it's similar in the making of the me'il the outer garment and the ketonet the, the, the bathrobe sort of that the kohen that the Kohen wore. And the Pesach says, So he's another who also wore special kinds of of a, of a me'il and a ketonet and a ketonet pasim. There was a ketonet pasim that is seen and, and you are aware of. Because the minute was that the daughters of the king wore these kinds of coats which they were able to kind of curl up in and go to, and go to sleep. But in such a ketonet pasim <laughs> so the Rabban comes up with this wonderful idea that that Bigdei uh, Malchut uh, there's such a thing I mean everybody knows you know, the king walks into the room this is true today as well right when Queen Elizabeth say she should live and be well. She's already lived as well. I guess keep at it. I mean the other members of the family don't look that something to be so optimistic about. So, so the thing is she has to look queenly. So when they open the parliament in London, they do that every year, 
I'm not sure if the parliament is closed before they open it, but she does it. <coughs> and she does it in full battle dress. Now, she has clothing that only she wears on special occasions. I mean, the other time of her life, she has to look really good, unless she's walking around with her horses, where she doesn't look that good. But the horses like it, so I guess she likes it. So you understand, to be a queen, like the number one, you have to have appropriate clothing. And the appropriate clothing, you know, it's like there's a crown and there's a long coat with uh, ermine. <coughs> um, what do you call that? When you do it around the edges, you do well, whatever it is, you know. But no one else will ever wear those clothes. <coughs> Only the Queen of England. Only the Queen of England will wear those clothes. So that the thing about clothes in general is that they send out a message of who you are. Now if you look around, well not in this room, but if you look on the street, right, you say, you could say, oh, a doctor, right, a doctor, they dress a certain way, they dress differently than they did when I was a kid. When I was a kid, if you were dying in bed, the doctor would not come to see you unless he was wearing a suit and a tie. You know, rather die than show up without a tie. That would, uh, that was uh, obvious. Today, doctors, doctor, have to project themselves in a somewhat different way because they, up to a point, they look like regular people. Like they, but, but at the end, it's, it's very bad because you walk into a hospital, you want people, you want people to say, who are you? You know, you want them to say, oh, doctor, you know. So, <coughs> so doctors have a, an outfit that they wear and lawyers have an outfit that they wear and rabbis have an outfit that they wear. <coughs> and you could, so even though <coughs> in the world that we live in, <coughs> there's been... Doctor in the house? What? <laughs> Beautiful thing I said, is there a doctor in the house? I have, I have uh, outdone modern medicine. <laughs> I mean, someday this will be cured, but not today. Uh, in, in other words, clothing is not just something practical or something that keeps you warm <coughs> or covers you up, but clothing also sends a message. And according to the Ramban, according to the Ramban, the idea is that malchut, that kingship, even though you know that there was a king in Israel at one time, but that kingship somehow belongs to the Kohen, and especially to the Kohen Gadol. That's what I learned from, that's what I learned from the Ramban. Now you have to remember <coughs> how clothing came into the world. You know that, the, uh, that Adam and Chava, they ate from the Eitz Hadat, and they suddenly became aware of their nakedness. So they covered themselves up. That was step one. Then 
then HaKadosh uh, Baruch uh, made them clothing of a much finer uh, variety than they made for themselves. Right? So we know about Adam and Chava, we know about Yosef, we know about the Kohen and the Kohen Gadol, and now let's look at at Megillat Esther. So if you look at uh, Perik Dalet, that's where we are. Megillat Esther, Mordechai Yada, et kol asher nasa. Right? Mordechai knew about Haman and the plan and what was going to be and how terrible it was. Vayikra Mordechai begadav. Vayikra Mordechai begadav. What is that? That's Avelut. Right, that's mourning. What is Vayikra et Begadav? Like if I had to kind of assess it, like what is it you do? I mean, we don't really do it anymore. We do it a little bit, right? Because we're halachic. So the halacha determined that such and such a number of centimeters is enough. But Vayikra et Begadav says that the message of Begadav is not in force. So that if you are a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, a teacher or a rabbi, <coughs> and you're wearing clothing that reflects your achievement in this world, right? I'm not a person, I'm a doctor. I'm not a person, I'm a lawyer. So Kriya, Kriya, denies that. It sort of says the situation is terrible. Right? Someone has died who is close to me. I'm not the same as I was before. And we call that mourning. That the, that the reaction to a terrible situation, that the reaction to a terrible situation is terrible. I'm no longer where I was. And what happens during Avelut, what we call Avelut, is that slowly we return to ourselves. We return to who we were before. In spite of the tragedy, we, we represent ourselves as being successful and good and effective. And, <coughs> and that's how we get out of Avelut. But Kriya, Kriya is I'm rendering my garments almost... Uh, unusable. I mean, no one would walk around with a torn coat or a torn shirt when they went to work. Nobody would do that. So Kriya is a rejection of life. It's a rejection of my life, of what I've done, of what I've achieved. It's, it's, a, it's a rejection because of the tragedy that, that overwhelmed me. So the Pasuk says, And then you have the essential difficulty, I think, in the Pasuk. This, we don't do this anymore. But in the Mishnah, in Ta'anit, right? is about not having rain. And the Chachamim declare that three days of fasting, and if that doesn't work, another three days of fasting. If that doesn't work, seven days of fasting. 
and along with that fasting, there are some things that you do. And one of them is Afer. Let's get to Afer. Afer is. What is it? Ashes. 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 It could be ashes, but it's it's something that is burnt. What? You know, as in Hebrew, as as Rashi points out, and as the Tosus also points out, the words Afer, Aleph Peresh, and the word Afar, Ayin Peresh, are sometimes mixed up. Because you can't tell which is which. And that's why the Mishnah uses the phrase Afer Makleh. Afer Makleh, according to both Rashi and Tosus, means... Um, the the afer that is left after you burn the bones and the bones that you refer to are the bones of Yitzchak remember Yitzchak was sacrificed I mean he wasn't sacrificed but the ram was sacrificed and after the ram was sacrificed it was burnt and when it was burnt when it was burnt it became afer makleh and that's the act of of mourning that the Mishnah commands us to do if there's a problem with the rain. So here, Mordechai, sak Now what's a sack? What is a sack? A sack is sackcloth. Now what is sackcloth? Well, sackcloth is a level below Kriya. Because Kriya, Kriya, cutting up the the, the clothing that I wear, I still retain a sense of self. Right? I, I'm, a, I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, okay. I wouldn't go to work with, these, with my clothes in this way, but I recognize myself still. I'm that person. I mean, of course, there's something wrong with me. I mean, it's torn. A sack, sack, samach, sin, kuf, is something nobody would ever wear. No reasonable person would ever wear a sack. So if you wear a sack, what you're saying is that you're naked. I mean, <coughs> nakedness is a problem in the world in which we live. It was a problem for Adam and Chava. It's certainly a problem for, <coughs> for us. But, but the sack, I say, it seems to me that the sack represents nakedness. I have no defense. I have nothing to say about myself. I can't even say, well, I used to be a doctor, or I used to be a lawyer, which I can do when I have kriya, when I have the ripped up, my ripped up clothing. But now, <coughs> so that means that it was the most extreme form of Avelut that was imaginable. Sak va'efer. Va'yitzei b'toch ha'ir va'yizak zaka g'dola Very similar to the description of the Jews who have been instructed to fast for the rain that did not come. What? Which is at the beginning of the second parak of Ta'anit, which we are learning Friday morning, five o'clock. So now, let's look at Yonah, Perik Gimel. Turn the, the other side of the page. Yonah. Vayachel Yonah. 
Lavo ba'ir ma'alach yom echad. Remember, Yonah went to Ninveh. This is Perak Gimel the second time. The first time he ran away. HaKadosh Baruch Hu caught up to him and sent him back again. Back again to Ninveh. So in Ninveh, Mahalach Yom Echad, he went, walked one day's walk into the city of Ninveh. Here's Yonah. He's the direct approach, right? No, no introduction. No, uh, no side comments. He says, 40 days from now, Ninveh will be destroyed. And the people of Ninveh believed in God. And so, I mean, it's not like they did it. Like, since they believed in God, So, the Ninveites, understood something about tshuva. And the thing that they understood about tshuva was that you could only do tshuva when you're not covering up, when you're real, when you are who... Now, now I know that these are words that use the, in modern psychology, but of course the reason that you can go to psychologists for very long periods of time is because it doesn't work. Unless you go into some kind of... Uh, some kind of a difficult time, something really, but 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 according to these psukim, the kind of tshuva that was necessary in order for the people of Ninveh to gain forgiveness, the kind of tshuva that was necessary was a sack, was a, a, a sackcloth, undressed, meaning that they were who they were. And they understood that the only person who can do tshuva is him himself, who he really is. He's got to be able to connect to himself in order to do, <coughs> in order to do tshuva. So, something that never happened before and probably never, never happened since. That, that there, was, there was absolute accord in Ninveh about doing tshuva, about doing tshuva. Pasuk right? He has special clothing, right? He's the ultimate cover-up. He's the god of Ninveh, right? I mean, he knows that he's not, but the people in Ninveh think that he is. So the pasuk says. And it, it like touched him. He was, he was involved so all of a sudden. And what did he do? What does that mean? His kisei is part of the levush ha-melech. There's only one kisei like it. It's not something that you bought in Ikea. It could be hundreds of years old and the result of a lot of <coughs> enterprise. So, so, by Yaakov Mikiso, he's undressing. He's already undressing. He's getting up from his chair. You don't get up from your chair if you're the king. 
Vayaver adarto me'alav. You see it? You see it. It's not that he's going to put the sackcloth on top of whatever he's wearing. Right? Vayaver adarto me'alav. And what is adarto? It's big day malchut. It's the, it's the clothing of the melech. Vayachasak. <coughs> Vayachasak. And he covered himself with the sackcloth, which we interpreted to mean naked. He was the same as everybody else. He was the same as everybody else, meaning he was just him. He lost the status of Malchus. He lost the big day of Malchus. He lost the kisei of Malchus. And so he could do tshuva. He could do tshuva. And that was the lesson. You know, Chazal say that Yonah was afraid that the people in Nineveh would really do tshuva and that would be kind of a, an accusation against B'nai Yisrael. So you see, they really knew how to do tshuva. Because tshuva seems to be connected to nakedness. Nakedness in the sense that you can be honest with yourself. Because the problem with doing tshuva, the problem with doing tshuva, of course, is identifying an Avera. Identifying an Avera is very difficult because most people would rather say, I had to do it. I knew that it would work out. I thought that, you know, my family deserved the money. <coughs> Whatever you say. We're talking about good people, not talking about bad people. Bad people don't count. Talk about good people. Good people have difficulty identifying an Avera. <coughs> because how could they promote the Avera? How can they say they did it? How can they open, you know? <coughs> so here you have the people of Ninveh. They did it. Pasuk Zion. Pasuk Zion. What? Who? is a problem because it says in the in the Mishnah in Ta'anit that they put the Efer on the on the heads of the people. And here it's not clear why it says by but okay, you can say something. <coughs> I wanted to go to the next pasuk first. By Isaac Vayomer, screamed out, "Benin veimi Tama Melech Ugdolav leimor." And it was Tama Melech Ugdolav. It's not only the Melech that has to have a sock, but it's all the people around him who kind of imply that he's still the king. It, it, right to the Mishnela Melech, Haman. Haman made Achashverosh the king. Haman said he was the king. I mean, Achashverosh's father was not the king. Right? You know the, the Megillah, it starts. Does not have a father. I mean, usually the Tanakh, the first time you meet up with a new character, the Tanakh tells you his name and his father's name. Achashverosh doesn't have a father. 
Who Achashverosh? Hamolech mehod v'ad kush. He's the king, but he doesn't have a father. How could he be the king and not have a father? His father was not the king. So when you are the king and your father is not the king, you don't have to be you don't have to be Shakespeare to know that you know you don't have to mention your father too much. So in Esther, this is already this this idea is already in Gratz, who who was a fine interpreter of things, even though he usually got it wrong. But that doesn't mean. He was not a fine interpreter. <coughs> what does this mean? Adam, the man, the animals, the, the, the large animals, the small animals. None of them should eat the fast, remember? Fast on the rain. They should not graze. Now that's a little strange, isn't it? That the Adam, okay, man, they put on sackcloth, but what about the Behemah? Now the Rashi says that the sackcloth came from the Behemah. They made it. They made that kind of cheap linen uh, clothing from, from sheep. Okay, but what does this mean to say They all did tshuva, the men, the women, the children, and the animals. How did the animals get into this story? How did they do tshuva? What does that mean? What might that mean? She says, you see, in the, the Ramban, says in another place, in the Drashad, <coughs> called Korat Torah Hashem Tamimah, the Ramban says this. The purpose of creation, I mean, I'm just saying this, not because I think it's right or I think it's wrong, or I know anything about it, but I said, this is what the Ramban says that the purpose of creation was man. He means man slash woman, right? Don't get nervous. <coughs> and everything else in creation, everything else in creation, the trees, the fruits, the plants, the animals are all there to serve man. Right? That's, the, that's how they got into, into the deal. That's how they all got into that's how all of these animals got into Gan Eden and into the story of creation. <coughs> the story of creation is about the creation of man. And all the things that were created in the world were created in order to help man, in order to be able to feed him, to, to give him what he needs, to help him out. So what happens? What happens if there's no man? I mean... They're all wearing sackcloths. You know, they're all naked. They're all revert, they're reverting back to some prehistoric time. <coughs> There's no man. No man. So there are no animals either. I mean, the only thing the animals understand, according to the Ramban, is that they're there to serve. When they look around and they see only sackcloths, they see only the regressive nature of the tshuva process. 
So they feel that they're out in the, in the lurch as well. I know that this is a, like, a, like a fable, what I'm, what I'm saying now, but I think that that could be what the pasuk means. So now that we have all of this uh, background material, let's go back to Perik Dalit and see if what we can do. Okay, Saul said, we, should, we have to talk about Eifer. Uh, Sak we understand. Sak we understand. Eifer, if Eifer is the Eifer of Yitzchak, remember Yitzchak? Akedah's Yitzchak. The Ayil was sacrificed in place of Yitzchak. And then burnt up. The sacrificed ram was burnt up on the altar that Avram Avinu had built. And so, Sak Va'efer <coughs> represents the reduction of the human being to nakedness and to kind of just Efer, this uh, burnt, burnt quality that is connected to Yitzchak. That's the nature of tshuva, that you scream, that you say what's on your mind. Now, So, what's, what's, what comes, what happens at the Shar HaMelech, the gate of the king? Well, soon there's going to be a king. And the king demands clear differentiations. I'm the king. This is my second in command. These are the tertiary characters in the play. And, and suddenly, Mordechai doesn't fit in. Because Mordechai is naked. He's not in that world at all. Everybody understood that the regular kind of mourning was insufficient and what we needed was sakva efer. Right, sakva efer. You see? What do you see? Narod She was a Malka. She wasn't into the Sakva Efer business. She was into being a Malka. So who came to talk to Esther? Who came to talk to her? Esther? It's hard to understand. I mean, after all, she, Esther, was Hadassah, who was drained and brought up by Mordechai. What she thought Mordechai was an idiot? They didn't know what he was doing. Behold, Medina, Medina, every place in the world, they all understood that the Jewish people were in trouble. And Satva Efe Yutzala Rabbeim. But Esther, 
still thought, still thought that by recognizing Malchut, they would win. By recognizing them, and, and here was Mordechai as an individual, not as part of the larger community, but as an individual denying Malchut by walking around naked with the sack and the afer. And one of these officers came out to talk to Mordechai, and so he told the story to the Hatach, who would then take it back to Esther. So you understand that, that when you're at the top of the pile, Esther, she was at the top of the pile, you don't always get correct information. Sometimes, the information that you get walking around in the street is superior to the information you get from the daily briefings. And so, Pasuk Yud, Vatomer Esther la'atach v'tzaveu al Mordechai, Esther said, go to Mordechai. Kol avdei ha-melech v'amidinot ha-melech yodim v'shakol ishu isha sh'yavol ha-melech atzer p'nimit ha-shalo yikariya chatato l'hamid levad ma'asar yashit lo ha-melech et-shavit ha-zahab ha-chayya v'ani lo nikreti l'vol ha-melech zeh shloshim yod So what does Esther say? It's very nice that you are wearing sack v'eifer that you've left that kind of game but I'm not out of that game I can't show up to talk to the king. It will be finished. All I can do is play along. That's what he says. This is the great accusation against Esther. I know that Esther is usually considered to be the heroine, but you could read it differently. Esther didn't get it. Esther definitely didn't get it. When she was in it, she invited this one, she invited that one. I mean, okay, but we're not talking about that. But what we are talking about, we're talking about the ultimate issue in tshuva, I think. The ultimate issue in tshuva is, is it really possible? Is it possible for a person to confront himself in a pure manner and to admit that he did it? Admit that he wasn't as he should have been. And that was the issue that confronted Mordechai and Esther in the Galut, in the Babylonian and Persian exile, where they lost, they had lost Malchut. They didn't have a king, they didn't have political wherewithal. And yet, <coughs> and yet they saw themselves as being part of a community. <coughs> and they saw, they saw tshuva as what was necessary in order to promote Geulah. 
as the Rambam says, it's quoted quotes from Sukim from the from the the Chumash in Parshat Vayelech that Tshuva and Geula are connected to each other. So what Mordechai understood was that what Haman was doing was not simply dangerous, not something, not simply anti-Semitism. But what Haman was doing was a denial of the possibility of redemption. Redemption of Am Yisrael, which began with Koresh, Cyrus, the king of Persia, and then continued, right? But still, not all of the people, or most of the people, did not come back to Eretz Yisrael. With, with Zerubbabel and Ezra and the Chemia, Chagai, Zechariah, Malachi. <coughs> These are the names of the people that are associated with the second, with the return to Eretz Israel and the redemption. And the problem was that the redemption could not take place because, redemption could not take place because there was no, there was insufficient tshuva. And that's what. Yonah was afraid that in heaven they would say the people of Nineveh did tshuva and the people of, er of Am Yisrael did not do tshuva. They did tshuva in Nineveh because they all wore sacks. They all wore sacks. In, uh, in the story in, uh, in Megillat Esther, Esther did not. She went with Big Day Malchut. She didn't understand what the issue was. At least she didn't understand the issue as Mordechai understood it. She didn't understand the issue. And that's why <coughs> Mordechai was not able to solve the problem. And the return to Eretz Yisrael at that time was limited. And even Nehemiah, even Nehemiah, remember that name, who came to Eretz Yisrael in order to, as a representative of the Persian government. He, he was like the Abarbanel at a later time. He was a, uh, he was a member of the king's entourage. And he was sent to Eretz Yisrael in order to solve the problems that existed between the Jews and the Samaritans about building Yerushalayim and building the temple he stayed in Yerushalayim for 12 years and then went back to Persia. And symbolically, symbolically that kind of indicates, I think, what the story of Megillat Esther is about and how it is ultimately a failure. Even though the people were saved, people were saved from, from death, but the process that Mordechai wanted to instigate and the process that actually took place in Ninveh, that didn't happen in Paras. That didn't happen in Paras. And that's why at the end of the Megillah, Ratsui Lerovechav is a statement about Mordechai, that he was Ratsui Lerovechav. Most of the people liked him. What does that mean? He saved them. He saved all the Jews. I mean, why, why would the Pasuk say Ratsui Lirov Echav? So Rashi says, quoting the Gemara, that Rov Echav Velo Kol Echav. 
Not everybody was happy with Mordechai. Because instead of learning Torah full time, as the, the, the titular king of, uh, of uh, Am Yisrael, he worked. He did community work and only learned part time. So even so, Mordechai is also blamed. I told you about the Chabia, but Mordechai is also blamed <coughs> for the fact that the Jews did not do full tshuva as they did in, uh, in Nineveh. The people in Nineveh were saved unconditionally. The Jews coming out of Persia were not. Most of them didn't go back to Eretz Yisrael. Most of them remained as they were, it's true, under the kind of leadership of Mordechai and Esther, but, but uh, they had a bigger opportunity, which they did not undertake. Okay, have a uh, good Shabbos. Happy Purim. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. What would you do? Uh, it's, it's a research project. No, I don't think, you know, I think... Um, it was, I think it's more important to bench after Sudat Purim than to be drunk. So if drunkenness in some way inhibits your ability to uh, do the mitzvah, I would say when you get, when you get to those gates in heaven and the Malach Gabriel said, how come you didn't... Uh, you didn't get drunk? You just say bravo in the sense. <laughs> Maybe it'll work. That's right. <laughs>